For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's two up top this evening. That means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Patrick. So Patrick, no snow this week. I hope all is well. And how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I've got the short sleeves on. Even though it's cold, I'm ready to go. I'm riling up the troops. Got the captain's armband on. And yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Well, you're also joined in attack tonight by new signing Ryan. Ryan, you're the hitman of the podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, Dan. Thank you very much. Always a... Uh... Pleasure to be on the show with yourself and obviously Patrick. Always happy to talk Tottenham, like you say, win, lose or draw. Well, thankfully, you're in the right place. I think we've got a few wins, a loss, some snow. So there's a lot to cover on this show. So before we do all of that, let's do the social media bits so we can dissect the last fortnight and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll sort it for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, to be honest, as I say, there's quite a lot to mop up since we last spoke. So before we talk about the good, we may as well talk about the bad and the ugly, which means if we start with the ugly, we may as well get a bit of NS Mora off our chest. Now, it does seem a while back, Patrick, but I think we'd be remiss to ignore it because it was a sensationally bad evening in the Europa Conference League. Would that performance really have opened the eyes of Antonio Conte? We kind of spoke about how sort of getting by Leeds and drawing against Everton would be some form of lesson. Like You learn more in those kind of indifferent performances rather than beating a team 3-0, 4-0 and thinking everything's great. Everything was far from great that night. So does that sort of say to Conte, right, this is the task in hand. And I know there's no real positive to take from it, but if there is, it's like, right, those people who had a chance have got no chance. You're either with me or you're not. Exactly that. And it was a, it was a harsh reality check and a massive slap in the face for us fans, I mean, definitely the board, and it gave Antonio Conte a rude awakening. And I mean, after the after the game, you got the famous quote from from um, Antonio, didn't you, about the levels, and he's now understanding the level, and the levels not so high. And obviously, us as Tottenham fans, we got we got memed and bantered about it for a couple of days. But Conte was just real and ruthless with what he was saying. And imagine, you know, you're a coach, a world class coach, and a manager. You expect your players to do a job. Uh, come in and get the job done. And, you know, Cessin Young stupidly got sent off within the first 30 minutes, so we were up against it. And even though, to be fair, I mean, we weren't great. We were the better team on the night, but didn't tuck away our chances. And then Mora killed us in, uh, you know, in the dying embers of the game. And it was just typical, wasn't it? Just a typical performance. But, yeah, the the, 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 the silver lining or the only you know, shining grace or saving grace from that is it's happened before the transfer window and Conte's really got to look at these guys and see what they're made of or not made of. So hopefully going forward, that should be some of the last games you'll see or last cup games or cup ties you'll see some of these guys in. So we can really just clean out and, and go again with players that are able, ready to step up when called upon and obviously get the job done. I mean, it's M- MS Mora, is that the name of them? I think the team so. that's not even... <laughs> It sounds like a bank. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when you Google them, they don't even have a bank. I think on FIFA, 
if you if you try to play with them on FIFA, you probably A wouldn't find them or B they wouldn't have a club crest. That's how <laughs> embarrassing it is. I mean, I think that 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 uh, that's the the value of their squad is less than forty million or something like that. Like ridiculous to lose to those guys, regardless of who's playing. Every player that we put out or field is an international, is of some caliber, and should be getting the job done. And it just goes to show. I mean. Some of the guys look like they don't want to be there and we don't want them there either, let's be honest. So time to get rid and, uh, and let's go again. The thing is, you know, we don't want to be negative. We are on a decent run, but that was definitely shambolic. And, um, you know, from time I'm getting bantered on Twitter from guys whose clubs have never been in Europe or haven't won anything in years, it just goes to show how poor of a performance that was. So, yeah, I'll leave it there. I don't want to get too irate because, to be fair, we are on a good run and I want to be more positive than negative. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to the positive bits in later in the show, I do promise. But I thought, you know, we kind of need that that context, if you will. So I'm hearing reports today, Ryan, that, and these are always kind of figures banging about at this time of year, that we're looking at a big overhaul, which we've heard many times before. But with Paratici at the helm, there's reports that 10 people could be out. Now, it's never ever going to be that much because you'd be thinking, well, what's going to be got left? Like, you'd have about 12 players. But after that more performance... Do you honestly feel that heads are going to be on the chopping board now? Let's chuck some names out. Let's say, I don't know, Roden, Doherty. I know he featured as a sub against Norwich, but he's in the mix. Undumbele, Bergvine, Winks, Ali. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a lot there. Realistically, how many of those do you reckon will be off in January? Realistically, I could see a probably a lone move for Rodon, obviously. I know I've read reports this week. They're saying that he now wants a permanent move away because he's not featuring... But I think that came a day after Conte said that he's really big on Rodon, really impressed. But the problem he's got is he's playing in the same position as Dyer, who you can't drop at the minute, whether you like him or not. He is playing well for us in the centre of that defence. Uh, Deli Ali is a definite. I think he'll be gone in January. Uh, Matt Doherty's a tricky one. I think you'll have to get another right back in before you get rid of one. So I don't think he'll be gone till the summer. Winks the same. I think you'll keep him till the summer. Bergvine, he said about him as well. Obviously, he sees him as Harry Kane's number two. So, that all depends on a striker coming in. There's a lot of a lot of ifs, ands and buts for January. But we, you know what Daniel Levy is like. He'll probably give Conte enough money for one player before he then turns around and says, we've got to have some outgoings before we have some more incomings. So, I just hope the, the players we should be getting rid of. Like I said, that NS Mora performance was one of the most embarrassing as a Tottenham fan. We've had plenty of them, but that was definitely one of them. The only positive to come out of it was Conte being able to see exactly who he can trust, who he would want in this team. So, and Dombele's players like that, they've probably got till the summer, unless something drastic happens this season and they actually come good for us in the second half of the season but between now and the start of next season there's going to be so many players leave this club it's going to be unreal it's going to look hopefully look like a brand new outfit maybe some big players maybe a hurricane in the summer maybe in January you never know but like I say come the start of Antonio Conte's first proper season with his pre-season and all that lot I think it's going to be a completely different looking Tottenham well, let's take a quick look ahead to Thursday because we've got the final match day of the Europa Conference League. 
And with top spot now eluding us, we can't finish top of the group. Does this mean, Patrick, we're going to have to play all the biggest guns? That supporting cast have had their chance, they've had their opportunity, they've blown it. To get second, to, to secure that, we're looking at really the fully strength team possible. Yeah, definitely. And, and the thing is, Rens are a good team. Yeah. They're pretty much a Champions League quality well, or calibre team. Second in and, league um, at the moment, aren't they? They're, they're, there you go. And they typically feature in the Champions League. So uh, them being in um, in the Conference League is quite a shock. Same as you would look at Tottenham as a big scalp. You definitely look at Rens as a big scalp. And you'd also look at Roma as the, the top calibre or quality teams. The fact that we've got them in our group and their lead in the group will also go, you know, will confirm that. So we have to go strong. It's a good team, a very good team. And the fact that we're second, well, are we third in the group now? I'm not sure, but we need to win the game uh, to finish second. So it will have to be the strongest lineup, and we'll have to play essentially like it's a Champions League game where you play your strongest team on the Wednesday and then a Saturday or, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, we have to go strong. We have to win that game. It won't be easy. We're at home, which is good. Um, and yeah, we have to go with Kane, Son and Lucas up front. Pretty much Hoiberg and Skippy in the middle. I'm sure there'll be wing-backs and then, you know, the defence, maybe one or two changes. But typically it will be the strong team. And I hope I see Hugo Lloris starting as well. Um, no time for centre-men or anything like that. Get the strongest team out there. Hopefully get the job done. Because that's a competition that I want to win. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I'm not going to lie to anybody if we get knocked out. I'd be really disappointed. It's a it's a chance of silverware that we should take. And it's you know we're what going into 13 seasons without a, uh, without a trophy, so we need to take it. Ryan, now you have to remember that finishing second in the group is not something that takes you through to the next round automatically. All this does is give you a drop down team from the Europa League in a preliminary phase of the knockout phase. If that makes sense, which is quite convoluted, but stick with me. More importantly, though, how annoyed are you that we're not finishing top of this group? Because when you look at all the fixtures in December, there's loads of them. You know, football is just thick and fast across this month. The one thing you don't really need is match day six in Europe, playing your strongest team. This really should have been the dead rubber. Play the kids, whatever happens, happens. But now we're playing for our lives in Europe. This is where it's gone wrong. So how frustrating has this European campaign been for you? Yeah, it's been a very frustrating campaign, European, especially with it being the third tier competition in Europe. It's not something that we expected. We expected to steamroll us, not to disrespect the opponents that we had in the group, but like you said already, this game was a chance for the young lads to come in, play at the home stadium, impress the likes of Mark and Day, Alfie Devine, Fagan Walcott, everyone like that. It's something that they could have been excited for to actually get some minutes for the club, make debuts, play at the home stadium in front of the fans because they still would have had a decent turnout to watch them play. But, I mean, the last thing we need is a fixture congestion, which we're clearly going to get now if we finish second. I, th I think the only highest we could finish now is second. Yeah. So the fixture congestion is not what you want. I say, especially with us fighting top four at the minute, we're close. The last thing you need is more strain and that's one of the other biggest negatives you'd have to say of that more again because there's not really going to be much uh, player changing much players coming in resting players likes of Kane Son Lucas Moura they're going to play every minute of every game because Conte just does not trust the players he's got 
available to bring in. So let's just hope we qualify. We'll just have to go from there and hopefully we get some new faces in January to bolster the squad and help us uh, help us finally win some silverware. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting in terms of who we sign and who you can register. I'm not too up to speed with, I don't know if it'd be cup-tied rules or not. You know, if you sign a player from the Europa League who's played in the tournament in the first half of the season, could they drop down a level and so on and so forth? So, although there's buying new players, you do wonder if they can actually bolster the European progress. I don't know the ins and outs exactly, but there might be something to keep in mind. But let's hope we get there. I know there's some schools of thought saying, well, actually, we don't need it and it will just free us up for domestic matters. But I don't think beggars can be choosers. We're not in a position to be turning our nose up at this competition. I think we need it as a going concern. So I think, you know, if we can win, I hope we do. With the strongest team, we should win. But as you say, Patrick, it's not going to be easy because Wrens aren't the team to be overlooked at the moment. But that's the ugly and a preview to the Thursday game. But let's look at the bad because last week it snowed in Burnley. Now, conspiracy theories at the ready, Patrick, because Burnley had a few injuries Reports say that Burnley don't have undersoil heating, which I don't think is strictly true, but they didn't put a team sheet out an hour before the game, which also brings an alarm bell. So do you reckon there was skullduggery here from Sean Dyche and his men, or is this a genuine postponement? Oh, mate, I'm disgusted, and I'm so surprised that the Premier League have let them get away with it. For me, I definitely feel that there was some, yeah, some just foul play on their behalf, and they pretty much knew that they weren't going to fill the team because they didn't want to play the game. They had about six or seven first-teamers out through injury and suspension, and uh, that snow was just a convenient cover-up for them to get this match rescheduled, which would then fit them, because you know they would have the players back from uh, suspension, as in five yellow cards, and you automatically miss a game. And then, obviously, they had a lot of players out with muscle injuries as well. Um, every other team across the land in the Championship and Premier League um, could cover their pitch also had guys out there you know doing the hard yards and uh, and clearing the pitch before the game uh during the halftime interval and also um i thought at first burnley didn't have undersaw heating or under pitch heating it turns out they did but they didn't turn it on which to me doesn't make any sense whatsoever so i know uh, it's clear what they did and 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 um it's just crazy that we as um i'm just surprised that even you know we traveled up there the fans traveled up there why didn't they postpone it for a couple of hours and then play it later on, like four o'clock, five o'clock? Don't understand why we didn't just play it that day, but later on, I don't know if there's, you know, if they can't do it for police reasons or whatever it is. But it's just a shock that we went all that way and then, you know, just had to turn around and pretty much go home. And um, really disappointing. Um, the good thing is that we're doing okay with that game in hand, um, and it's a game that we should win. But Burnley away is never an easy fixture. But I did expect us to win that game. So, yeah, I was really uh, peed off at the time. I still don't buy their um, reasoning for not having that pitch sorted. And um, it just looks a bit it looks a bit disgusting when you look at the circumstances which they were under at the time. Yeah, something doesn't add up there. But, Ryan, if we try and take, again, a positive from a relative negative, you can't really answer this question because we'll never know the answer. But I'm going to ask it anyway. After playing Mora and losing... The last place you want to go is Turf Moor in the snow. So had it been played, do you reckon confidence would have been at an all-time low? Do you reckon we would have been really sort of shaky after such an awful showing in midweek? Has this snowstorm been a blessing in disguise, do you reckon? Uh, I don't think so, no. Um, no? Uh, the trust and belief I've got in this manager, I think 
these players won't dare put in a performance like that again, especially three days after the Miura performance. So I, I was actually really annoyed because I think the game, I think it was 45 minutes it was actually announced before yep. the game postponed. And like Patrick said, when they postponed it, my, I was really upset for the fans, the Tottenham fans who travelled. It's not like it's against Arsenal around the corner. It's, it's in Burnley, Lancashire. So it's not, it's not exactly an easy travel and the fans had to get there in that weather and then they had to find their way back home freezing in that weather. Just it's not it's not fair to them. Burnley definitely I think that's why we saw Sean Dyche out in his justice shirt. He was celebrating the actual postponement. He was very happy that that game was called off. So I do think that if we'd played them, uh I I did predict a win in my show. So I do think that the players would have turned up. Like I say, this manager does not seem to be the type to take a performance like that lightly. And those players would have had to have shown a lot more than they did. I know a lot of them didn't play on that Thursday. Some of them did. But they would have, if they'd put two performances like that on the bounce, I think we probably would have seen the kids play till January. Well, thankfully... There was no loss, so I guess we could celebrate that. But Patrick, you've got to feel sorry for not only all the fans that made the trip to Turf Moor, that poor chap and his wife, I assume it's his wife, who went from Dallas to London to Burnley. Now, obviously that's awful, but why go to Burnley? Why not just simply fly into Heathrow to home game? <laughs> Do you know I mean? Of all the places you could go, why Burnley? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I, I thought that. When I first saw it, I was like, why the hell would you go to Burnley away? <laughs> Honestly, I was like, but then I thought, you know what, maybe it's yeah. annual leave, yeah. their bosses didn't allow them off time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe someone lied to them and said Burnley's one of the places to visit. And yeah, strange, strange, strange decision. But to be fair, it, it, it turned out okay for them because Harry Kane saw their misfortune and then he put out a tweet saying, I've seen your guys, you know, tweet. Uh, people have let me know what's happening and you can pretty much come to a home game on us. I think they were at the game just gone on the weekend. Um, yeah. All expenses are, you know, spared by Harry Kane. So it, it basically worked out for the best uh, for them. And they also went to a Spurs um, pretty much get together during the week. So, you know, from from their misfortune pretty much became, uh, they got some joy out of it. But yeah, Burnley away, travelling from Texas or wherever they travel from, mental. It just goes to show how much they love the club, I guess. But yeah, credit to them. But yeah, like Ryan alluded to, the fact that, you know, all our tr- our fans travelled all that way and pretty much 45 minutes before kickoff, they announced it. It was just shocking. And it was really weird, like I said earlier, that they just didn't try and, you know, postpone, like basically play the game an hour or two later. Why not? So um, some real, real strange decisions there, some real strange ones. I think, if I remember correctly, it seems so long a time ago now that I think there was more snow due about three o'clock. So in theory, you'd be right that if the snow was to pass over, you just clear the pitch and get on with it. But I think there's more. I think with the heating not already on, you're just adding to the problem. So I think it was never oh, really going to okay. be cleared that day. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's frustrating, but there is good to come of it because we've bounced back from Mora. We keep going in the league. And I'm not sure how, Patrick, but we're fifth at the time of recording, ignoring that Everton-Arsenal game, which is going on at the moment. I don't know the score. With a game in hand, only two points off of West Ham. Now, when we lose to Manchester United 3-0, this position, that standing, is beyond your wildest dreams, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is, this league is a funny old league. And all you need to do is just focus in your lane and get the job done. And teams will drop points. Uh, teams will take points off each other because that's the nature of the Premier League. And that's why it's so entertaining and we love it because there's no such thing as a, you know, a guaranteed three-pointer or a guaranteed win. And you're seeing that all around. Uh, Burnley taking points of Chelsea. Brentford taking uh, points of teams. You know, um, Aston Villa starting to win games. Norwich starting to win games. Newcastle won a game. So all these teams are fighting for their lives. And there's no such thing as a dead cert game until after you beat, you know, the team in front of you. And, um, you know, just picking up two two uh, wins on the spin has seen us propel up the league. So um, fingers crossed we can keep that momentum. Uh, Conte is undefeated in the in the Premier League. I know we've got obviously that blip in uh, the conf- Europa Conference League, but if we can just keep pushing on in, in the Premier League, who knows where it can take us? Um, unfortunately, it is one nil at halftime to Arsenal in the Everton Arsenal game, but um, Everton did have a goal chalked off, so they've been up for it as well. So hopefully Everton can at least get a draw in this game. We'll maintain that fifth position, but even if Arsenal do go ahead of us today, like you said, we've got the game in hand. So um, we're in a decent position right now, considering you know we were getting mocked and everyone saying West Ham are having a fantastic season, Arsenal turned the corner, all of that, and we're right beside them. It just goes to show that you know we just do what we need to do, and and pretty much it's there, for, it's it's in our hands essentially. Man United are obviously got their new manager, but they will still have to find their identity and understand who's going to play, what system it fits. Um, our saving grace, or basically the the, the the angle I'm looking at, is like we're fifth without Kane even firing. If you can get Kane up to some sort of speed, you know, who knows where it could take us because we're pretty much relying on Son, Lucas Moura and other players to chip in right now. Kane hasn't done anything really in the sense of goals and assists other than the Newcastle game. So once he starts firing, which we know he will, then hopefully, you know, that can take us and propel us into that top four. I know it's, it's, it is a bit of a dream, but it's right there. It's in our hands. And we just need to, you know, just win our games and then let the rest of the league take care of itself. Well, Ryan, let's look at some metrics. So it's Conte's reign, four matches, 10 points from 12, seven goals scored, one goal conceded. The numbers are looking good, aren't they? Oh, they're looking probably better than any of us expected. We expected a big bounce from the side under this world-class manager. But to improve, as we have defensively, I mean, don't get it wrong, we still we still look shaky in times of matches in defence. But to only concede the one goal, and I know people will say, yeah, the opposition you're playing is lesser opposition. But like Patrick's just said, everybody in this league is fighting for something. So teams like Norwich, Brentford, Leeds, they're not playing as scared to play as or fearing Tottenham. They are playing for the three points. They're playing to avoid relegation and things like that. So it's massively a massive upgrade from what we've seen. It's really nice to, and good to see us actually performing like this with a squad that isn't Antonio Conte's squad with players that he has inherited rather than buying himself. So it's nice the stats, like I say, and you can see on the pitch with the players as well. They're running a lot more for him. They're fighting for every ball. They're pressing at the right moment. They're sitting back at the right moments. Re- it looks as if they're really taking on board his messages, whether that be in training 
or before the game at half time. That's one thing that the old manager didn't have was the respect to the players to learn different things, try different things. This manager just oozes respect. His his CV speaks for itself. So if we could keep playing like this, if we could keep players fit, and exactly the biggest thing for us, like Patrick has just said, is our main goal scorer isn't scoring goals. The man who won, uh, got the most assists last season, isn't providing assists at the minute. And there will come a time in the season where that stops, that duck will break. And when Harry Kane gets one, hopefully, I said this after Newcastle, but hopefully now that he's settled under Conte, once he gets one, he will start firing then. And it's nice to actually see the goals being shared around the team. We've been so reliant on Son and Kane for so long, but I mean, goals from Lucas, goals from Davinson Sanchez of all people. It's nice to actually see other players chipping in now and basically picking up the slack we've got from our number 10 at the minute. Well, yes, this was a point I was going to raise later on in the show, actually, right now you mention it, but I guess it's great at the moment that everyone else is chipping in and I think that's always a sign of a good squad. Like, you look at how Chelsea are sort of spreading the load. But on the other hand, there is also a feeling that that's going to catch out in the end, that it's working at the moment, but it's very, very risky to rely on everyone doing their bit across the season. At some stage of this campaign, you're going to need Harry Kane to really start lifting his own kind of methods in terms of goals because he's got one. And now we've kind of had every theory at the moment, haven't we, about the Man City, his head's not in it. That's all kind of gone. Now we're sort of saying, well, if he gets a goal... They'll start coming. He got a goal. They haven't started coming. He scored in the League Cup. He scored for England. He scored in the Europa Conference League. So it's not goals, which is the problem. Something's still not quite right. His game is better overall, but everyone's going to measure that against goals. So if there is a problem, what is the problem? And how do we really solve this? It's pressure that I think he feels at Tottenham at the minute. With the summer that he had, with the transfer talk with his brother and obviously the chance that his brother's received through the stadium. He's spoken about that, about that before. When he goes away with England, there's no pressure. It's calm. He's relaxed. But obviously, he's playing for the fans week in, week out. And I've said to you numerous times on this show before, even someone like Harry Kane isn't... He, he's, he, will, he will get boos and jeers if we feel like he's not putting in a hundred percent for us, so I do. I just think it is pressure that's on his head at the minute. He's lack even even the greatest players in the world lack some sort of confidence. <clears throat> I mean, one of the greatest players of all time in Messi's only got one league goal this season in a much easier league. It can happen to the best, and like I say, now now that we've got a settled squad, now that we've got a manager that we want to keep here that the players know will be here for the rest of this season and season after that and hopefully many more to come. But it, I think it's just that one goal. Once I think once he gets that next goal and he sees the delight of the crowd and the cheering, the happiness amongst everybody, I think it will just lift a little bit of that pressure off his shoulders to think, you know what, it's done now. No one's talking about Man City anymore when I'm playing for Tottenham, let's just crack on. We've got a great chance with this club. Get the goals, get the assists and get further up that table. 
Patrick, would I be right in saying that we haven't had a penalty in the league since Wolves in week two? Yeah, it, I think so. Because yeah. if Harry Kane's not scoring yeah. goals and he takes penalties, then surely that's the the obvious connection. Now, it might be <laughs> it might be as simple as get him a penalty, he gets that next goal, and then the pressure's lifted. So, is it literally as simple as we haven't had an effort from twelve yards in what nearly four months? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, to be fair, it is frustrating. But when I look at Harry Kane over the last two or three games, he's been exceptional in the sense of his movement is there, his hold-up play is there, the link-up play is there. He's getting into positions. He's having one-on-one chances with the keeper. He's doing everything but score. You know, he's taking on, like, in the game um, on Sunday, he was taking on his player, whipping in shots, you know, beating a man, spreading a pass. He was doing everything other than find the onion bag or the back of the net. So... The goals should hopefully come. A player his caliber, you know, he's seventh on the seventh on the all-time Premier League uh, goal-scoring charts. I think he's eleven away from being fifth uh, by the close of the season. You would hope he would get that. So he, it's just one of those things, isn't it? But I know it's going on. It's dragging, and we keep saying it. But he is doing everything other than score. And I do hope, like Ryan's saying, once he gets one, the floodgates, the heavens will open, and then he'll go on another run again. Uh, and we'll know the Harry Kane of old because, you know, there were certain games when he just didn't look himself. He looked dejected. He wasn't running. He wasn't really trying. You didn't even see him in the box or taking on shots. But he's doing everything we would expect a, a Harry Kane of old to do. But unfortunately, it's just not going in at the moment. Um, he is capable of scoring, as we've seen in the Conference League this season and for England. So I just hope that it comes in the next game and we push on from there. Well, obviously, we're going to need him on Thursday. So, you know, we can't complain. Our beggars can't be choosers at the moment. We need to win that game. Uh, but like you alluded to as well, it's good to see Sonny scoring, Mora scoring. We're getting defenders chipping in with goals as well. We've had Regulon score. We've had uh, well, Ben Davis almost score. We've had um, Davison Sanchez score. We've had other people chip in, which is great. And, um, you know, even in the low, because I think last season, Kane was... Uh, was contributed to 57% of our goals, whether a goal or assist. This season, he's only on 13%. So, you know, we're not that happy Kane team anymore, like Pep alluded to a couple of seasons ago. But we do need Kane to start firing. You know, he's one of the best players in the in the league and in the world. And obviously, without him, we are a weaker team. So, yeah, let's fingers crossed and positive energy. And hopefully, this Sunday, we start seeing him willing away celebrating. Now, Ryan, again, it's an impossible question to answer but I will ask it again anyway if we had a bona fide backup option for Harry Kane earlier in the season do you reckon there would have been more times where Kane was on the bench because he wasn't doing his job and he needed perhaps a bit of a rest and just get his own mind aligned with getting back into the goals does he kind of still need a rest will that happen in January if we do get a replacement is he undroppable or will Conte have to maybe make a tough decision if these goals don't appear uh, I think if we had a backup striker, I do think under Conte, Kane would have still started the games. Like Patrick said, you can see the increase in performance under Conte. The goals aren't there, the assists aren't there, but the work rate is definitely there under Conte. The fire is lit under Kane again. Just the goals and the assists are letting him down. I think... A strike. We we a hundred percent need a striker in January. We need to relieve Kane a little bit. Like I say, at the minute he's playing the Conference League games, the Premier League games, every game for England when the international break turns up. 
he'll definitely he'll start against West Ham in the Carabao Cup. And at this rate, at the minute, you could probably see him starting him against uh, Morecambe when the FA Cup rolls around in January. I know we've got Scarlett, but obviously he's 17 or 18-year-old young lad who's still learning the game, still understanding Premier League and men's football. So is, I think that's the biggest problem we've got come January, which which position do you strengthen first? There's obviously plenty of positions. Conte will have his eye on defence, midfield, say centre-back, centre-midfielders, uh, backup striker for Kane. There's so much we can do, but with only a month to do it, it's always known January transfer window isn't the easiest to bring new players in, especially players that you could see really having a big impact on the club. It's most of the time it's panic signings in January towards the end. So unless we do bring a striker in, I can see a cane burnout unless we get those type of games. Morecambe maybe maybe a good win in a conference league if we progress in the first leg and you can rest him in the second. It's it's going to be a long season for Kane, but that's exactly the same for Son. And fingers crossed, Sesson Young stays fit, especially now Regulon's got injured because left back, left wing back's going to be a problem. I mean, I don't know if you guys have read on Twitter today about the COVID breakout yeah. at Tottenham. Six players and two coaching staff. I think they've said, obviously, people have put two and two together, have put Emerson and Brian Hill in there but you don't know the rest so that's that's going to be another big obstacle for us to climb especially if it's big main first team starters so a lot of these players are going to have to put in a lot of miles before we can get to January well that's just the nature of December football as I said earlier the football is twice a week if not more across this month it's a great month for a fan but from an actual players point of view burnout is on the horizon and with our Fred Bear squad in relation to the top six rivals. There's going to be pinch points somewhere. There's also pinch points, Patrick, in the fact that we're not playing great. I think we need to temper the mood slightly. Yes, we've beaten Brentford and Norwich, and that's absolutely fantastic. But the performances aren't quite there. But at the same time, you could say, actually, it doesn't really matter because we're winning matches and we weren't doing that under Nuno. So let's just kind of run with this momentum. And you'd like to think that performances will improve if the wins keep coming. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're right, Dan. I mean, yes, we are winning games, um, but there are spells in the game where, like, for example, yesterday against Norwich, there were moments in that game where Norwich had a lot of possession and they were stringing passes together nicely. You couldn't get the ball off them. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. I swear we're playing Norwich. But then also, at the same time, they had a lot of the ball, didn't really put us under threat. I don't remember Hugo Lloris making... You know, any type of save that really stretched him, other than in the first minute, sorry, when Pookie was in. Uh, against Brentford as well, Hugo Lloris wasn't really tested. So, defensively, our structure is a lot more solid. Uh, we look a lot more resolute and structured. And um, we do need to have a bit more of a balance of, uh, you know, holding onto the ball and using the ball to damage uh, another team and get them thinking, because we are conceding possession a lot. In the games, I looked at the stats over the last um, uh, couple of games since Conte's taken over, and there's not been any game in the Premier League where we've had the lion's share of the ball, which is quite concerning. Even though we're winning games, uh, I feel a team of Tottenham's caliber should be dictating and dominating the ball and making the other team work instead of us working. But um, yeah, we're winning games, two clean sheets, 
uh, five goals, which is, you know, I mean, under Nuno, that would have took, taken us about 10 games to get that. So there's definitely improvements. And um, yeah, long may it continue. Definitely need more goals. We need our strikers chipping in. But we need to also keep winning games by a decent goal uh, margin because we're on my, I think we're minus two now, aren't we, on the goal difference? Um, after this amount of games and the amount of wins that we have, we should never have a negative goal difference. I think this is the first season I can remember ever having a minus goal difference this you know far down into the campaign. So that's something that needs to be rectified quickly. But of course, there's room for improvement. But there's also you know we've clearly improved. So it, it, you know there's goods and you know pros and cons at the moment. Well, you mentioned goal difference, and when you consider how tight the races for the top four, the top six always are. Goal difference is really an extra point. Now, if you're going in with a very low goal difference, that might work against you if you're going up against the likes of Arsenal, Man United, Derham, say West Ham. So that's got to be reversed. It's all those 3 nil or three-goal drubbings that we suffered under Nuno, which are kind of coming back to haunt us. But if we can overturn them with our own 3 nils like we did against Norwich, then that should quickly turn around. But, Ryan, t- talking of a turnaround, actually, we've spoken about players taking opportunities, some of them failing to take opportunities. I think... Fundamentally, the person who's stood up the most under Conte is Ben Davis. It's the biggest resurgence I've seen in Tottenham Colors in a long time. It's kind of you looking at him and he's getting further forward as a left-sided centre-back than he did as a left-back. So does this come down to confidence or new instructions? What do you think? I think it's both, to be honest. Dan, I've seen some interviews that he's had recently really talking up Conte's uh, impressions on him, his tactics, his ideas, and like you say, it's it's like we've got a brand new player at left centre back. It's his obviously favoured position for Wales when he goes away with them. So obviously, I don't, I still don't think he's the answer in that position. But you cannot fault his actual performances at the minute. Just like Eric Dyer, I've said those two have probably been the standout players under Conte at the minute, and it shows with just the one uh, league goal conceded. So you can't fault him. Like you said, he's been getting forward more. He's been looking a bit more confident on the ball. He's, he's always putting tackles and challenges. He's never feared away from that. He just looks a lot more confident in that position. I think he's got a lot more time on the ball in that position. He's got Regulon bombing up and down, past him, someone who is always available to give the ball to his closer to Dyer, he's closer to Hoiberg or Skip, whoever's in that midfield role next to him. So he's not actually under that much pressure as he was. Like I said, playing left back in a four, he's expected to get up, put crosses in, get back, defend, up and down, up and down. It's not a easy position to play in, his full back. But this left centre back role seems to really, really suit him. And I do feel that even if we do bring in another left footed centre-half, he'll be another one of these rotation players that Cote's already spoken about. You feel like he wants two players for every position that he trusts, that he can rely on when called upon. And Davis is definitely going to be one of them. I think he's shown real top performances since Conte's come in. And like I say, long may it continue because he's got a lot more minutes to put in before January yet. Talking of confidence, Ryan, that would have been very high early on against Norwich. And although Lucas Moura doesn't score as many as we'd all like, when he does score, he has a habit of scoring some pretty special goals. Sunday being the perfect example of that. Oh, it was an absolute thunderbolt 
from Lucas Moura. Like I say, he's got he has got this in his game. It's probably why as fans get as frustrated as we do with him because we don't see it enough. But he's probably up there with probably just behind Dyer and Davis for me with players that have massively taken on board what Conte wants. We always knew he was a good dribbler, but sometimes he does he takes a bit too long on the ball, messes around and just sometimes it does look like he just runs into players rather than try and run by them. But he's he's been a shining light. Out of the three forward players this season, I'd probably say he's been our best attacking player. He hasn't got the goals that Son's got. But just when he picks the ball up, you could you just sometimes get that excitement that right, now he's got the ball, he's gonna drive at them, he's gonna make a bit of space for somebody, he's gonna create something for the team. That's what we want from Lucas Mora. That's the player that we know, the player that we love to watch for Tottenham and he's always he's a, like he's probably just like Son when it comes to the love he's got for this club already. He's massive with the fans, he's He's massive on this club. He loves Tottenham already. And like I say, all we want now is a bit more consistency of numbers when it comes to goals and assists because he's got it in him. I mean, that's strike. Usually against Tim Krull, we don't score goals. He's phenomenal against us, Tim Krull is. But even he didn't have an, an ounce of a chance with that shot. I think I'd, he couldn't have hit it any better, to be honest, Lucas. And... Like I say, we just we just need more of that from him now. We need more goals, more assists, more chances created, things like that. Because on his day, he's absolutely quality. Patrick, do you reckon this will be one of Conte's more pet projects, shall we say, in that trying to get more of a tune or a consistent tune out of Lucas is quite a high priority because we're talking about the supporting cast, the spread of goals, there's a player there somewhere, etc., etc. If we can crack the code on this one, then it will add a real dimension going forward, won't it? Because it can't just always be Kane and Son. It has to be the three of them, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he is a quality... On his day, I have to put the context in there. He is a quality player on his day. Uh, first half against Norwich, he was unplayable. Well, to be fair, I think he had a really good game against Norwich, first and second half. When he's on his, when he's on form, you, you can't get the ball off him. He's got quite a low centre of gravity when he's dribbling past you. Quick feet, and he is capable of scoring some screamers from in and outside the box. Um, but sometimes, like Ryan said um, earlier, he can just look like a headless chicken running into players, giving the ball away. You know, a cheap, uh, give it conceding possession when the player's right next to him and he somehow still doesn't manage to get the pass uh, to our man. And so he's really frustrated because the talent and quality is there, um, but he just needs to put it together on a more consistent basis because, you know, in an ideal world, you've got Kane, Son and Mora, uh, you've got a fantastic centre forward and then you've got two pacey wide players who can finish with either foot and it, it will scare the life out of all teams. Uh, so that's, you know, we just want to see more of what we saw um, of of Lucas on Sunday because, oh, my God, when he hit that, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the whole goal was fantastic, wasn't it? The the, the one-two touch, uh, you know, pinging the ball around and then boom, just out of nowhere. Tim Cool didn't stand a chance. Uh, top bins from, from miles out. It was fantastic. So we do need to see more of that. Um, even when Kane does start firing, I still want to see Lucas Moura chipping in. The good thing is that you can see Conte trust him. He's pretty much, you know already the front three, what it's going to be in every game. So I'm sure Lucas has that confidence as well. And now hopefully he can repay Conte 
and just start scoring and, and get an assist, which is what he's been doing in, in recent weeks. Yeah, because the last thing you want to see is Kane in the goals. Obviously, we want to see that. But then you don't want to see Lucas go, well, I've done my bit. I can take a step back now. You want each of them to step up even further. You know, there's always more you can get from a player, even if you think they're absolutely brilliant. A great manager can squeeze out even more drops than you think are possible. So there's more to come, which is exciting. But unfortunately, at the moment, Ryan, there's not a lot to come from Christian Romero because he's going to be out injured till at least, oh, I don't know, a fair assessment is February. Now, that's a hammer blow, isn't it? When you consider our transfer business, which has taken place over the summer, he was arguably the marquee signing, the best of the bunch. But now he's on the treatment table. Yeah, it's a massive, massive blow to lose him till February. I think originally they were looking at end of December, but now it is end of January, start of February. So it's a huge blow for this team. But at the same time, it creates a chance for a player to come in and prove to Conte that he can take that place and make that place his own. I mean, Davinson Sanchez, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's good enough for the team. But if he... I'll be more than happy to have him prove me wrong. Prove obviously the goal he took. He took his goal very well at the weekend. Yeah. He he in spells he defends really well. He wins the ball. He puts in good challenges. But then for ten fifteen minutes after that, he's he I, he just don't have a clue where he is or what he's doing. That's the biggest problem. It's as if he just loses complete focus and concentration on what he's doing at the time. He gets pulled in too easily by strikers but it now it's his opportunity now because Romero's out we've got no other option this is his chance now to show Conte whether he's a worthy squad member or a first team starter or somebody you've got to look to move on to make funds to bring somebody else into that position so I think that makes it more obvious now Romero's out that the key area we'll address in January will be the centre of defence. I don't know, obviously, what will happen with Romero. Obviously, I know I, I don't know if any of you guys know. Is it an option to buy with Atlanta, or is it an obligation? Obligation, I believe. An obligation. Like I said, I'd love for yeah, us to buy. obligation, obligation. Yeah, he, he is somebody I'd love to have him permanently. Whether we spend that money in January and just make it permanent, or get somebody new in to slot straight in to the position he's left. But you can see him missing with our right wing backs. I think, obviously, Emerson before that, when we didn't have Romero for Leeds, he got turned and didn't have that protection of Romero behind him. Tanganga was really poor, in, in my opinion, uh, yesterday. He was the same with Davinson behind him. No real protection. Uh, when he gets turned and taken on by the winger. So he's going to be a massive, massive loss. And like we've all said tonight, the amount of fixtures you have in the Christmas period is brilliant for us fans. We love seeing our club play as much as we can. But for the players, it's definitely draining. And to have a player of his talent and leadership are, it's going to be a quite a big blow for us, I think. Patrick, does this mean Eric Dyer's going to have to step up to the plate even more? I mean, over the course of the past week or so, he's done exactly that. You couldn't ask for anything more. Admittedly, lesser opposition. But, you know, he's going to have to take this mantle on himself as, I guess, arguably, our number one defender, which when you look back over the course of time of Tottenham, he's always been 
among Belgians and not being that man, you know, the rock at the back. But he's going to have to be that rock to keep us alive in the Premier League top four race. Yeah, I mean, over the last couple of weeks, I've been calling him Virgil Van Dyer. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, got, oh. <laughs> he's, got, he's, got, he's got the long hair out. He's, he's looking good. So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, again, another one who has kind of gone under the radar, but he's been solid under Conte. Um, I know, again, he is he is suspect. Uh, he basically he can give the ball away needlessly when it uh, when he's under no pressure. But he's looked really good, looked solid, put in some fantastic interceptions, and has been a commanding stalwart at the back. Uh, again, he's he's quick to get onto players and let them know when they're not really pulling their weight defensively. And I have really been impressed with what I've seen. So. Long may it continue. The thing is, with Dyer, we do see this. I remember saying the same thing under Jose Mourinho for a while, and then he kind of slipped back into his... He reverted back to the, the Eric Dyer that we kind of don't trust on the ball and don't trust defensively. But so far, so good. Again, he's for me, he's somebody that's playing for his future because when we do get a new centre-backs, which I'm sure we will, he'll be like Ryan said, will he be, you know, uh, will he command the starting spot? Will he become a backup or will he be someone that we look to move on? Um... Funny, you know, not funny enough, but all managers have seemed to trust him and own him in that starting, you know, lineup. But there are questions there still. But so far, so good. He definitely needs to now. I think he's like 26, 27 now, maybe even 28. So he's at the age now where we should start to see the best of him. He's come out and said he's not a DM, he's not a CDM. He is. He sees his future as a centre back. That's where he believes he plies his trade. So. I don't want to see any of those sloppy goals we kept conceding um, at the beginning of the season and last year where he would just switch off and let his man to dart in behind him or get in front of him. Uh, and yeah, we just need to see more from him because uh, at this stage of his career and if he's starting for, again, I keep saying it and I really believe it, these guys are starting for Tottenham who are considered one of the best teams, one of the biggest teams in the Premier League and in Europe. And they need to show that and they need to play like that now. Uh, there can't be any more passengers especially when we have a world-class manager um, at the helm. These guys need to play for the badge and play for the fact that they believe that they can win stuff and push us back into that top four. Well, Ryan, if we're dishing out praise, I think Oliver Skip deserves some. Going up against Norwich on Sunday, it was the kind of performance where the Canaries would wish he was still on loan at Carrow Road. And also, he's playing like someone who has 200 Premier League appearances under his belt. The maturity is there for all to see. It's stunning, really, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's something beautiful to watch. Like I say, he's another homegrown talent, another lad to come through the academy, but he's really taking his chance really well at the minute. He he had a couple of shaky games at the start of the season, but like I say, I think sometimes people forget he's still such a young lad. This is his first proper season of regular Premier League football. But the performance, I think against both Brentford and Norwich, were absolutely terrific and deservedly winning man in a match performances for it. Is it's a bit. Uh, I've seen obviously some clips on Twitter uh, over today of little bits of play of him, little bits of play of Scott Parker, and how how they intertwine with one uh, one another with the uh, turns on the ball. The sim- it, what he does best is keeps everything's so simple he doesn't keep hold of the ball long he gets it he gives it to somebody who can do something further up the pitch he doesn't he doesn't try to take that extra touch or beat his man and I mean we've seen him travel with it yesterday uh he had a shot a team shot straight at Tim Krull but that's that you don't mind 
doing that. He's beat his man. He's created the space for himself, and he's gone for goal. That's what you want. It's confidence. It's belief in his own ability that he can get that for, uh, that forward and score a goal for Tottenham. I mean, the the the, uh, the first goal he does score for us, you, the joy you'll see on that young man's face will be unreal because like I said, he's a Tottenham fan. He wants to do well for this club. He wants his club to do well. And now he's got a manager that can guide him into the future. I mean, Pochettino, when he was here, he said, yep, yeah, Skip will play for us one day. Mourinho said he'll be a future captain. And now Conte's playing him regularly and he deserves every second of football he gets. And I mean, it's strange because when you think about it, all these players are also... They've got their eye on a World Cup spot for the country as well. That's it's not just the club. Unfortunately, it's just how football works. But it's not just the club they're actually playing for and thinking about them. And it skips probably thinking about a World Cup spot for England as well. And he can easily get there with these performances. So long may it continue. Talking of the World Cup, we've got a World Cup winner amongst our ranks. That man being Hugo Lloris. Another solid pair of performances in the week. But Patrick, no pen to paper just yet. Do you reckon this is the end of time, the beginning of the end for the Frenchman, or will we see a new deal inked sometime soon? Well, there's been talks over the last couple of days that both Conte's camp and Hugo Lloris's camp are confident that he will pen a new deal. So maybe like a one-year extension, something along those kind of lines. So I'm hoping we can do that um, because, to be fair, Hugo Lloris has been one of our best uh, performing and most consistent players over the last couple of years and even when we have been up and down um, Hugo Lloris has pretty much been you know solid uh, even when we were getting battered this season 3 nils here there and everywhere Hugo Lloris was still keeping the score res- dare I say it respectable where it could have been a lot worse than you know the 3-0 job in at Chelsea or um, 3-1 lost to, to Arsenal 3-0 lost to Crystal Palace he was still one of our better performers on the day, which sounds crazy to think or crazy to think of when we're getting, you know, toasted or battered 3-0. So I'd love to see him sign an extension. We also do need to start looking forward now uh, because, as, as, you know, I do love Hugo Lloris and think he's still one of the world's best keepers, but he does have his deficiencies and he does have his... um. Basically, we, we can upgrade on him and we do need to start thinking long-term as well because he is getting older and he's not going to be around forever. So hopefully they are looking at that and, um, uh, you know, we're, we're addressing that issue or that problem. We need a quality keeper coming in. We can take the reins off Hugo hopefully next uh, next season and we kind of bed them in and he starts playing almost kind of like what Arsenal have done, dare I say it, with the Ramsdale thing where they brought him in, then they started the season and now Ramsdale's owned that number one uh, jersey. We need to look at how we can do that going forward because we do need to get a younger keeper. But Hugo Lloris is brilliant and if he continues to play the way he's playing right now, I'm happy to see him, you know, uh, captain us and continue to play and start next season. And Ryan, finally, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we've got Morecambe in the FA Cup, a home draw in January. I don't want to tempt fate, but as third round draws go, they don't get much better than that, do they? No, I mean, with all respect to Morecambe, it's a brilliant tie for the football club, for the fans to come and see the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's an, it'll be an absolute wonderful day for all involved. But with the Conference League congestion looking possible, if we progress past West Ham, 
That's more Carabao Cup fixtures. I think they'll put us in the semi-final, so there's still dates to come. You couldn't have asked for a better tie to actually rest some players early January, give them two, three, four days off, let them take the week off, really re-energise for the bigger fixtures to come. But like I say, I'm, when when a fixture like that comes around, it's I look at it more like for the opposition, obviously, lower league side, not they don't go to a Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at all. It's a look of the draw for them. So for the players to come and play on the pitch, for the fans to come to the stadium and have a day out in London, it's fantastic for Morecambe. But like I say, at the same time, it's just as fantastic for us with the players we can rest. Absolutely. Let's hope it's the first step on the road to Wembley and we're lifting that cup next May. Right, it's full time for this one. So before we go, I just need to thank my two Pod Squad members. Ryan, thanks for your time again this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yes, not a problem. Thank you again for signing me on permanently, Dan. I love coming on talking Tottenham every Monday. Like you say at the start of every show, win, lose or draw, we'll be here to discuss the club we love. Me, myself, uh, me, you, obviously the big man Patrick, don't get any better. Absolutely. And Patrick, thanks for <laughs> and Patrick, thanks for running the channels this evening and wearing that captain's armband. Yeah, always a pleasure. I love rolling up my sleeves and going into battle with you two. You know, I couldn't have a better front line or, or, or squad to, you know, go to war with. So yeah, I love it. Love talking Tottenham, especially when we get some wins and we start gaining momentum. Because it has been a bit, you know, it's been a bit depressing these last couple uh, of months, but things are starting to turn around. And obviously, like you say uh, at the beginning of the show, Dan, win, lose or draw, we're here to talk Tottenham and we always do. So yeah, let's hope that we continue to talk on positive things and uh, yeah, every every Monday is always a joy and it's always a pleasure. So thank you. Top man. Right. It's next Monday is going to be our Christmas special. It's not really that special. It's just the last one before Christmas before we have a little Christmas <laughs> break. I've got nothing planned just yet. Maybe some eggnog. I don't know. But one more show before Christmas and then we'll be back in January. So before we close off for the year, look forward to that one. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.